everybody is looking for an answer. So that was the important question is, what are you thirsty for? That I realized, well, I actually don't know the question. So how am I ever going to find an answer? And I did not have the answer to that, but at least I knew now I know the exact question I'm trying to answer to help me solve it. Because once you know the question, finding the answer is easy. Most of the time when people are feeling losses because they're not clear on the definition of the actual question itself. Welcome to the Conscious Business Podcast. I'm your host, Phoebe Lay, and I'm so excited that you're here today. On our podcast, we are going to be talking about the things that inspire you in business to help you create a conscious brand that will not only build credibility and give you more opportunities in your business to thrive, but also help you to create in a deliberate, conscious kind of way. This is a place where meaningful conversations will inspire you to create, pursue, and thrive and shine in business. Hello, Mustafa. It is so great to have you on the show. Welcome to the Conscious Business Podcast. Hello, Phoebe, and hello, all your viewers. Really excited to speak to you guys. So great to have you today in sunny Melbourne, although weather in Melbourne is definitely not the topic of the podcast today because we have so much to dive into and so, so, so much to share. Mustafa, it has been, I believe you've been in Melbourne for a little while now, and you are the author of this incredible book, which is obviously in your background, but it's also one I have in my hands live passionately and it's the blueprint to design the life a life truly worth living and that is a very phenomenal message it's obviously a very important message one that I also preach myself but I'm discovering each and every day what living a life of passion really looks like so Mustafa for those that are listening I'd love if you could share with us a little bit about your journey of how you started this passion project of yours well, beautiful. Thank you very much for this great introduction. And I'm really excited to also be sharing a bit of my story in whatever I can wait to help some of your listeners and viewers. So I will rewind back a little bit. So I've been in Melbourne and Australia since March 2020. And today is March 2022. So that's exactly two years anniversary. Yeah, it's been an interesting journey. We'll get to that in a bit. So I'll rewind a little bit to where my journey of discovering my own passion and purpose started. I've been in Dubai before coming to Australia since the year 2000. And I started my career in as a telesales operator and moved on to public relations. And I eventually accelerated my career in the public relations field to become the person leading uh, public relations for companies like Nokia, Showtime, and Philips in the Middle East. And through that, I got a lot of exposure into the also nightlife scene because of the sponsorships, especially because of Nokia. So Nokia was at that time, if anybody from your listeners is, is old enough as me to remember what Nokia used to be, the leading phone seven out of 10 phones on a table when you went out for dinner was the Nokia. So Nokia has a huge marketing budget. And at that time, every concert, every DJ party, every theatrical, any kind of a show was sponsored by Nokia. And that gave me a lot of backstage access to, you know, and VIP access to all these amazing events. And I had a, also, you know, a good knack for partying those years, my early years in my 20s. And my personal parties started getting kind of crazier and crazier. And eventually I quit working in the corporate world and I opened up my own event agency. 
daytime, I was doing uh, conferences and events for the same businesses, HP, Nokia, and so on. And evenings, I was doing concerts and parties and things like that. So you can imagine how that lifestyle left me. It was a lot of uh, work hard, play hard, burning candles at both ends. Would start probably seven o'clock in the gym, eight o'clock, 8.30 in the office, and then working till about 8 p.m., go back home, shower, change, and go out and start partying up until three or four every morning. And that was literally my cycle every day. And eventually that lifestyle burned me out. And the most important was not only the physical or mental or emotional burnout, but it was actually a big void that was starting to appear inside of me. Because on one side, I had everything that the world had told me would be the reason for my happiness, having the successful business, having all that glamour, glitz, lifestyle, everything. But I found myself feeling emptier and emptier on the inside. It was like a balloon in a way. The bigger it got on the outside, the emptier it felt on the inside. And then I think, no, no, I need more. And the more I got, the more I'm feeling that emptiness. And that was driving me crazy. Eventually, in between a few revelations of my own about, well, I'm not fulfilled with my life, the 2008-2009 global financial crisis, which also caused the business to start deteriorating. So suddenly, as this was going away, I realized that these external things can come and go, but the internal is not there. And that was really the key missing element for me. And I did a meditation called Vipassana. Vipassana is 10 days of silence. So you'd literally sit for 10 days, 16 hours a day doing nothing but observing the breath. And that was the first time I realized I had no knowledge of who I am. I really didn't know who I was. I knew everyone around me very well, but I did not know myself very well. Most of us try to keep our life filled with busyness, with people, with things to do, trying to avoid the one thing that's important, which is sitting with ourselves to get to know ourselves. And at the back of that, I decided in 2012 to buy a one-way ticket to India, leave everything behind, just shut down the business, left everything and just bought a one-way ticket to India. The India journey by itself requires maybe an hour of storytelling to get into the details, but there was a few highlights in that journey. The first one was meeting a guru or a swami who had been in caves for 13 years. And it was a coincidence through a friend of a friend and a random coincidence. I didn't even know he'd been in caves and he would be kind of the guy that I would want to be seeking for answers. And when I spent, started spending time with him, we went different places in India. And one time I'm asking him about life and this and that and purpose and everything. And he, he had a long beard and he would sit and go, hmm, do you know? what you are thirsty for because if you do not know what you are thirsty for you cannot quench your thirst and that was a, an aha moment for me because we're all everybody is looking for an answer i bought a one way ticket to india looking for an answer but i did not know what question it was <laughs> So that was the important question is, what are you thirsty for? That I realized, well, I actually don't know the question. So how am I ever going to find an answer? And I did not have the answer to that, but at least I knew now I know the exact question I'm trying to answer to help me solve it. Because once you know the question, 
finding the answer is easy. Most of the time when people are feeling losses because they're not clear on the definition of the actual question itself. So I went on with my journey a few months later, different spots around India. I've traveled India literally north all the way to south. And across this journey, I was in another meditation center as I'm going on in further searches of, okay, what am I actually thirsty for? And by coincidence, I discovered I had a medical condition. And at that time, luckily it was not cancerous, but it was definitely one of those things that if left for long enough and attended and not known is one of those things that you wake up one day and go, oh my God, how did that happen? Blessings, luck, prayers, whatever it is you want to call it. I was at the right place at the right time. India, mother of all natural healing. I had access to all the healers and especially the journey that I was on. I've done everything from silence, crying meditation, laughter meditation, going vegan, Ayurvedic medicine, energy healing. Every I've dedicated my life purely for that purpose. And eventually that medical condition went down to a manageable space and became as normal as possible. However, one thing clicked in my head. I was like, what if this was it for me? What if this was the last day of my life? What if this was a cancer? What if I didn't discover it and a few years later, it was too late? What would have I regret in my life? What would have I regret not doing? Did my life really matter? Did I do things that were truly meaningful to me? And the answer, obviously, no, my life did not matter. And I did not do things that were truly meaningful to me. And I did not do anything that is impactful beyond my physical existence. And because of that, suddenly that answer clicked in my head, answering the question of what are you thirsty for? And that made me realize that I was thirsty for leaving a legacy and an impact. I really wanted to know that I will do everything I can, that when it's my time to kick the bucket, whatever I left behind me was something that really did transform and change people and the world around me. And that was the initial drive for me to go, okay, now I know what I'm thirsty for. It's that impact and purpose. And, but I didn't know exactly how. I knew the what, but I did not know the how. A few months later, I just wake up, buy a one-way ticket back to get another sign internal, go, okay, my time in India is done. I have to fly back to Dubai. I went 2012, came back 2013. And when I came back, I started delivering an inspirational talk, talking about my journey. It was called Cavalli to Manali. So Cavalli was the Roberto Cavalli nightclub in Dubai that our partners and the holding group was part of. And that was the lifestyle I was living of the partying. And then Manali is the town in India or a village in India that I, it's a village on the side of Manali that I met the Swami over there. So the talk was simply about my, whatever I told you now, just expanded a little bit, talking about how I went from the Kavali lifestyle to Manali and meeting the guru. And that was about it. And I did it out of the space of just wanting to share my story. And a few months later, I'm sitting at a hotel in Dubai and a random person passing by goes, hey, you're that speaker guy. I said, yeah. He goes, you did your talk about India. I said, yeah. He goes, you changed my life. I was like, wow, that's what I want to be doing with my life. That's exactly what I want to be doing with my life. Because now I got the answer of what I'm thirsty for. And I got an answer of how exactly I want to be changing lives. It's actually by being able to share my story, share my message, 
speaking, coaching, all of these things that would be impactful directly to people's lives. And this is how my journey of getting from where I was into the speaking and coaching started. There was no book back then. It was just me sharing a story. And that's how it all started. Wow. What an incredible journey. And it sounds like you have absolutely transformed from being in Dubai and running a multi-million dollar business and working hard, playing hard to going on a spiritual journey. Tell us about what these last few years have been like for you. Has there been more epiphanies and growth or do you get to a point where you've discovered your purpose and that's it? Very good question. So a lot of times we are looking for the end result only to realize that the end of one phase of our life is the beginning of a new one. So although from the story I told, the story back then ended with Cavalli to Manali back to Dubai, and that was the end of the conversation. However, that was not even the beginning. That was the exit from my previous lifestyle to build a bridge to the new lifestyle. So if you remember, I mentioned that I got that message from the guy who's telling me he changed my life about 2013. But I did not get full-time into the speaking space until 2014. So it took me about a year, a bit less, to go through that transformation. And that was simply because of something I know most of the listeners are really struggling with, which is the feeling, am I good enough? Am I that person that really can change someone's life? Is my story important? And it was, even though that person told me, I was still skeptical until I started getting that coincidences more and more. So I started doing more talks and I'd get more people. And suddenly that imposter syndrome that's inside me of, no, no, I ca- it cannot be me. I'm not the guy who's really going to do anything different in this world. Like, there are greater people than me out there. And I started realizing that that's just a, an ego conversation because we all aspire to be great, but also have such a TV image of how that should be. And the reality is if you can change one person's life with your actions, with your story, that person might be just one step behind you. You're on a similar journey, just that you've taken a step or two ahead of that person. You've made that jump and all you need is to inspire that person to take that one more step. And that's really all there is to it. So by 2014, I really had enough of those and I had the courage to take that jump. What I did back then was try to keep a foot here and a foot there. So I was still doing kind of consulting and events, but I went away from getting full-time work into getting consulting contracts that would be only three days a week. And then I would do the other three days at my own time, building my own coaching kind of business and speaking business, and then juggle between. It was a lot of work. Practically, I would do seven, I'd do two shifts every day and then crossover work and all of that. And it was a struggle at the beginning. It was a big struggle because when I started, I thought it's going to be very easy to jump into it. The reality is The internet has done something phenomenal, but it's also a two-edged sword. It's done the amazing opportunity for everybody to be able to share their story and their message, but also it has no quality filter, which means anybody who thinks they've got something to share and an opinion, which everybody's got an opinion, and it's not for me to judge if that's the right or the wrong opinion, but it just made it an overflood of people who are just sharing opinions And sharing an opinion versus sharing a solid message and sharing it in a proper way 
and honing your skill, whether you're a professional speaker and honing your skill where you're just a genuine, proper coach rather than somebody who just took a course or read the book, that distinction doesn't exist. And that made my ability to stand out against the noise in the market very challenging. So what I opted for was like, okay, I'm originally from the background of events, media, and communications. So I know one thing I'm good at is being on camera and speaking. So as you did, I just launched a talk show. And at that time, I said, listen, I want to be on stage. And I went to the top agency that booked all the A-list speakers in Dubai. And I pitched to them. I found somebody that connected me with them. And I pitched myself to them. I said, listen to this, my background. And I come from a solid corporate background. So, But it's difficult coming from on top of a game and going back to start from zero. And politely, the owner and CEO of that business, who's today a very close friend of mine, politely, he indirectly kind of told me, well, we focus on international speakers. We're not really interested in local speakers. And kind of, you know, you need to build your profile before you can even, you know, hope to be on stage with such A-listers. I said, no problem. We'll keep in touch. I'm happy to help even for free. I started offering myself whatever I can do for free. And I said, if you want me, I'm happy to help. And an opportunity arised. One day he calls me, he goes, listen, we've got an event next week. And the event was for Dr. Marshall Goldsmith, world's number one executive coach. And the MC canceled last minute. And we thought that might be a good opportunity for you if you'd like to come and, and do the MCing for the event. It's not a speaking, so you're not here to deliver a talk, but at least you can get that. Maybe something aligned to give you the opportunity. And I'm like, I will take it. However, I have one request. I want five minutes intro space. I don't want to be just a mouthpiece and an MC who stands on stage and says, please welcome on stage. What's important for me, I don't want any money. Don't pay me money. Okay. Whatever you're paying, you paid for the MC, you save that money. However, I just want those five minutes exactly on the clock. He goes on the condition, you don't exceed five minutes and you do well prepared for it. I said, fine. I took off the whole week. I took off one week. And at that time, you know, I'm juggling too many things. I took off one week. I remember, and I sat at home and did nothing but prepare for those five minutes. So I'm like, this is my opportunity to get a break. That's the opportunity everybody wants. And I prepared for a week for that. And I did such an amazing job, not by me saying, but by the effect that I had with Dr. Marshall Goldsmith and with the audience. So from there, both Dr. Marshall Goldsmith was very happy with my work and the audience was very happy with my work. And then the organizer called me for the next event, now proactively saying, I would like you to come and take care of that. MC job. Okay. And it was another speaker and another speaker. And this is how I started. And you see, I think it was Thomas Edison who said, people miss out on opportunity because it comes dressed in overalls and looks like work. And this is one thing I know I always did with a lot of passion is if I see an opportunity, I do everything possible to work hard at it to grab the opportunity and to capitalize on it. Some other people would have said, okay, I'm happy being on stage and taking pictures and social media. I'm like, no, I want to make this such a, because this could be my only break. I might never get the opportunity again. And I invested so much time. And, and at that time, taking a week off when I was hardly making any work after coming from India and after you know depleting my savings and after again, quitting another job was already a challenging decision, but I believe in myself. I believe that I know I can get this somewhere. I know I can do something with this. And from there, every time the organizer calls me, I started expanding my negotiation and it was never the money. What I did is I said, now I want 10 minutes. 
You get me, you want me there, you give me 10 minutes. And then I take another week preparing for those 10 minutes. And now those 10 minutes, people started asking for me by name. So they would call the organizer and say, oh, yes, we're coming to see X person, whoever it was at that time as an A-list speaker, is Mustafa going to be there? And then I went from having five minutes to 10 minutes to 15 minutes to 20 minutes. And now there was a point where I was in demand. And then I started saying, okay, look, I'm just going to charge a little bit of money. I think I deserve it. Okay, of course you are because you're doing such a good job. And one day while this is happening, I'm still in opportunity mindset. I said, listen, I looked and I've got, it was the second time Dr. Marshall Goldsmith comes back. It was within a year. And I looked and I'm like, Dr. Marshall's Goldsmith is here. And there are camera crew around there. And with no preparation, I turned around to Dr. Marshall Goldsmith. I'm like, Dr. Marshall, do you mind if I interview you on my show? And he goes, yeah, sure. So I've developed a rapport with him. And I'm like, okay, if you don't ask, you don't know. You never know until you try. And I ask, do you mind if I interview you on my show? He goes, yeah, sure. What's it about? And I'm like, at that time, all my topic was around my journey to India and finding passion and purpose. And I'm like, well, it's about passion. He goes, okay, great. We finish, we get up before we get on stage. He says, we'll get on stage, we'll finish the talk. And then after that, I've got a spare time and we can do that. I'm like, great. I run, talk to the camera crew, talk to the organizer. They go, no problem. We'll do you a favor. They set up in a quiet corner. And then I literally had no questions prepared. I prepared them after the talk while Dr. Marshall was on stage. I wrote like a quick question, what does passion mean to you? And so on. And if you want to see that interview, literally go on the internet and tell Marshall Goldsmith, Mustafa Hamwi, Passion Sundays was the name of the show. And that was on the spot, came up with the name of the show because I thought, okay, Passion Sunday is the best way to start a week and end another. So it's the pivot point between two weeks. And I've got the show and I winged it. And I had five minutes and that was the launch from also launching myself on stage to launching myself on the talk show. From there, once I had a big name, that big name helped me get other big names on the show because every time now I started getting on stage making friends with these guys, inviting them on my show. And that built my network because I had the credibility. And the one thing I was talking to them is like, I'm struggling with the speaking side of the business. People think you're going to go out there. And if you do a TEDx and all love and respect to everybody who's done a TEDx, but also understand that TEDx is an open platform talk. So that's great for you to get that experience, but it doesn't put you in the professional speaker stage who will be paid good money. TED is the big brand. TEDx is just a democratized version of it where everybody can get on stage and speak and share their knowledge. And that's beautiful. However, it doesn't mean you're going to step up to that game where you can charge money and charge big money for your talks. So I started sharing, okay, I have the talk show, I have all of this and that's all great, but I'm still struggling with the speaking and the coaching and getting paid well for what I feel I deserve. And all of them would tell me, Mustafa, write a book. Brian Tracy told me Mustafa write a book. Marshall Goldsmith told me Mustafa write a book. Uh, Tony Buzan, inventor of mind mapping, told me write a book. And all of these, I'm like procrastinating on it. And then the first break in the branding was on the show with Professor Tony Buzan. And he turns around and as we're talking, turns around, he goes, I asked him if you've got anything to share. And he turns around, he goes, this man is kind of Mr. Passion. I was at an event and he said, he calls me Mr. Passion. And this is how the nickname, because we got somebody like a Professor Tony Buzan, God bless his soul, he passed away a couple of years back. But that kind of, oh my God, everybody's like, who's Mr. Passion? Where's Mr. Passion? I'm going to see Mr. Passion. So this is how the name Mr. Passion came on. And as I was still kind of contemplating on writing a book, because I'm not a writer, I hate reading and I hate writing. I'm not a native English speaker. 
I love books, but I love audio books. I love courses. I love seminars, but I'm not a guy who generally likes to sit and read and write manually. And then the national newspaper did a feature about me. And the title was The Syrian Who Lost Everything and Became a Passion Printer. And that suddenly kind of also went, took my brand up there. But there was still something because the speaking was picking up, but there was still a plateau where, okay, I got to a certain point and I'm plateauing. And that was when the penny dropped. I'm like, I have to write a book. The first thing I did is I co-authored the book with Brian Tracy. I think that's this book. So that was my first co-authored book with Brian Tracy. And then that was only, I wrote a chapter in that book collaboratively with other authors. And then what happened, I'm like, okay, now I've got enough confidence to be able to write another book, which is my full book. And by then I had conducted 160 or more face-to-face, not even podcasts. They were literally physical because I was doing events and then interviewing. And then I started flying. I said, listen, I'm going to go flying all over the world at my own expense with no expectation of money or sponsorship, just to answer that question of what does passion, I have to live up and walk the talk of being Mr. Passion. Yeah. I was on the title, but that's not necessarily, that's just a sticker. I really need to talk. Yeah. So I started, I traveled to US, Europe, Singapore, Australia, just traveling and interviewing local authorities and speakers, Olympians, champions in every walk of life, talking about one topic, which is passion. Wow. I distilled that knowledge into an online course, which I then reverse engineered it into this book, Live Passionately. And then eventually what started happening is when I did that, my brand started skyrocketing. I could demand more for my fees. I got more attention. And look, it's funny. People say there's a joke, overnight success takes 10 years. And it's been said also, you need to do 10,000 hours before you become a a top performer in your field. So whether it's 10 years or 10,000 hours, whatever the number is, there has to be a lot of farming and hard work before you see the results. It's like a plant. You put a seed and then it's got to grow. However, the longer that takes, the stronger and more solid you are. So the magical transformation that happened from me going from buying a one-way ticket to India to becoming a speaker and a coach who's struggling to suddenly becoming recognized to then becoming, by that time, after publishing this book, In Between My Brand, I become named by Dr. Marshall Goldsmith as one of the top 100 coaches in the world. I got named Mr. Passion by Professor Tony Buzan, the Passionpreneur by The National, started commanding upwards of five to 7,000 to 10,000 US dollars recently before the pandemic for one hour on stage, going from begging, literally, like, please give me five minutes for free into $10,000 for an hour. Literally last week, I did that 25-minute talk on Zoom here from my home studio for 5,000 US dollars for 25 minutes talk. So people only see that end result, but they understand how much labor today it's 22. I said that started about 20 buying a one-way ticket to India, 2012. So many struggles at the early stage. And only by the end, I started seeing light at the end of the tunnel. So that's the other message is you really got to be truly passionate about what you want to do to get to that result. And in that, if you allow me to give some context, if I know you and me had that conversation when we met, about the definition of passion. What does passion really mean in my books, in my way of understanding from the research? So passion is 
the way it started is doing what you love. That's what everybody talks about. So doing what you love. That's what everybody thinks passion is. But Brian Tracy told me that you're never going to be passionate about something that you are not good at. And that makes sense because if I am, I claim to be passionate about singing and I sound like a goat, then you're probably going to boo me off stage and throw tomatoes at me, (laughs) rotten tomatoes at me and get me off because I don't have to be born talented, but I have to work at my skill to get good at it. That's when you're really passionate. So the passion definition became doing what you love and what you're good at. Then I was doing an interview with Fon Strumpenars, world's number one authority on corporate culture. And he told me, be careful because the wrong kind of passion can hurt the world. And I'm the right, wrong kind of passion. What do you mean wrong kind of passion? There is no wrong kind of passion. All passion is good. I'm Mr. Passion and all passion is good. <laughs> he goes, really think about Hitler. Mm. He was really good at what he's done. He obviously was passionate about it, but it was not good for the world. And we see that around us as we're talking today. A lot of crazy things happening around the world because of other politicians who are not necessarily doing good passion for the world. Yeah. And that was when I realized that the quality of your passion comes from the quality of your purpose. And then the definition of passion became doing what you love, what you're good at, and is of value to the world. And then the next thing is like, okay, but there are so many people doing what they love, what they're good at, and what is of value to the world. And the biggest example was Nokia. When I was handling Nokia at that time, Nokia was a company that was doing something that they're really good at that was of value to the world, yeah, but they didn't stay consistent at it. Yeah, They were good at it for a period and then they dropped the ball. And this is where the definition of passion for me is consistently doing what you love, what you're good at, and is of value to the world. So consistency is the key in being passionate. And that's, if anything, you take away from the story that I told you for the past 10 years, it was the consistency of, it was getting tough, I'm getting knocked out, get up again, getting tough, getting knocked out, get up again. But you know, every time you do it another round, you feel more frustrated, but guess what? You're twice as strong. You do it again, you're twice as strong. And then eventually something clicks. So that was kind of the journey up until it became an international author. And obviously there's another part we'll talk about after how that evolved past me just being a coach and a speaker and an author. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. There's so, so much to unpack. I'm so excited to get this out to my listeners. I love what you say about the fact that it takes 10 years for that overnight success. Actually, the moment you said that, I remember all the talks my mother gave me as a young girl. And I remember how much she shared about how the bitter comes before sweet. And she used to always say that. And I remember I used to resent her a little bit for that because I was like, hang on, aren't I like attracting hard work now rather than flow and ease and grace? And I still cannot forget how even till now, even in my 30s, she still loves to share with me stories of other people's success and goes, there is so much training. Look at those Olympians. Look at all the people that you see on TV. There is so much training that happens behind the scenes. And I think even what you are saying right now completely relates a lot to even what I talk about, which is obviously social media, because a lot of the time when people get knocked out online, especially because a lot of the people that are listening here, their platform is like Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, Facebook, right? 
and they get knocked out by other people that are either more authoritative or the algorithm. So I'd love to know what is your mindset or what do you turn to when you hit a roadblock, when you hit that speed bump and you're like, oh, you know, I got to get back up again. What's the thing that really makes you tick to, because you talk about what makes you tick in your book as well. So what's the thing that makes you tick? Well, obviously my camera is not ticking the way it needs to be. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, the first thing I will share with you is a very interesting thing in the search of passion and purpose, which is the definition of where the word passion came from. Being a non-native English speaker, when I get to do something I'm so passionate about, I had to do basic homework. Where did the word passion come from? Okay. The word passion, the root of the word passion comes from passio. Passio means to, in Latin, to suffer and endure. So yes, there's that big, beautiful, I'd say what, illusion kind of a situation where Everybody out on social media is trying to convince you that once you get into that state, everything is effortless and everything is easy. And I'm going to be the better of bad news, but it's true because I'd rather share the ugly truth than a beautiful lie. Almost everybody out there who's preaching that is preaching it for an ulterior motive of selling something. They're turning around to sell you online courses and programs and look how easy it is and I'm making millions and yeah, you can, but you're still going to have to, you know, put the hours in and people don't like that. People want to lose weight without going to the gym by sitting on the couch and taking pills and buying app crunchers and things like that. And without mentioning names, unfortunately, some of the biggest names in this industry are the guys that have done the most damage in my personal opinion. Because all they're doing is they're going to, and I was a victim to that at the beginning, because in my aspiration to grow, I looked up to some of these figures going like, okay, well, these guys are doing the best. They've got the best brand. But what they have unfortunately done is they have brought a lot of the infomercial style into this business. They have brought a lot of that infomercials experience of, okay, well, you got to pitch and hype and sell and sell and upsell and upsell. And look, there's nothing wrong with selling a service. However, if you don't do it congruently, that is not really resonating with what passion is really about. And if you remember, we said passion is consistently doing what you love, what you are good at, and is of value to the world. So the value and the passion of the purpose The quality of your passion comes from the quality of your purpose. So when you are on purpose, that's what's going to keep you going when the going gets tough. So if you're in it for the vanity, algorithms are going to eat you out. If you're in it for the likes, algorithms are going to eat you out. The guy that walked up to me and said, you changed my life. There was no social media. There was none of that. It was a genuine interaction and it was a random unsolicited thing. Yes, we need to build the story out there. Yes, we need to build the brand and we need to build the publicity. But if you're not at heart in it for the right reason, you're not going to last. Because the consistency is where people are failing. Remember, I told you it was doing what you love, what you're good at, and it is value to the world. Most of the people you're talking about have all three, but they're missing the core element that keeps it together, which is consistency. And that consistency is purpose-driven. When you know... Every time I'm about to quit, I got a random message 
on an email. I've seen your video. It came at the right time. Thank you very much. I'm right at the edge of, I can't do this anymore. And then it randomly appears. Like the universe sends me a message. I'm like, okay, okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. I'll keep going. I'll keep going. So really it's a matter of how much on purpose are you? Because when you're getting challenges, the universe is sending you an ulterior opportunity to test if you're for real or not. It sends you other opportunities. Are you on this journey for real? Look, there were so many times at the beginning of my journey, I was struggling financially. I couldn't find work. And guess the only job opportunities I was getting in around 2013, nightlife related. Because, you know, and I'm like, no, I don't want it. I could, I, it's like, listen, all this pain will disappear. All this will go. You're going to go back on the track. You make the money, you get settled, you have that. But I'm like, that's not where I, that's not the bus or the train. I want to, it's heading in the wrong direction. Yes, I'm in the rain now, but this train is going to take me somewhere that's as far as from where I want to be. And I took so long to get back to discover to go that way. I'm not going to get on that bus again. It's going in the wrong direction. So really, if you ask yourself, why am I doing this? What am I thirsty for? Why did I get into this in the first place? And listen, there's sometimes there's nothing wrong with being honest and realistic about what you're in it for. I talk in my book about the, what kind of, here it is, it's there. Your primary operating model. I don't know, sorry, it's going to be tough. Yeah, this one. So you'll see it in the book here, primary operating model. And I talk about three things. I talk about work as a job and work as fun and work as a mission. So within that, if you are in the context of work as a job, which is nothing wrong, that's a typical, for example, family guy who takes care of, not the cartoon, <laughs> family guy who takes care of the family. And the mission for that person is to really be the man of the house who brings the money, takes care of the kids, takes care of the family. Then for them, work is a job because that job pays for their true passion, which is having a family. Work as fun is something like people who work in hospitality. For them, they need to be enjoying their day-to-day -day activity. If they don't, they can't do it. You know, sometimes they get paid less than other jobs, but they just enjoy the day-to-day. -day. Work as a mission is people that are in things like non-for-profits or even disaster relief or military or things like that. This is a pure mission that they got to do every. They got to enjoy, but you know, there's a, somebody who's in a war zone. You can't, I mean, the enjoyment level is a lot less than somebody who's in a cafe or a restaurant and there's in between. So there's a joyful job and there's a joyful mission. Maybe you, it's okay to realize that maybe it's not at the level of mission that I thought it is. And I'd like it to be more of a joyful mission. And I want one, two, three, four. It's about being brutally honest with yourself. And that's the challenge is people get frustrated because they're not as honest if you're in it for the publicity, then just be honest and go play the publicity game. But the danger is becoming self-righteous to say, no, I'm here only to change the world, but all I'm caring about is the social media metrics. I've actually personally been off promoting myself or any of my content from social media for almost two years now, a bit more than two years, two and a half years. And everybody's like, why? Why? Because I'm like, I don't feel at this stage, anything I'm sharing is adding. I used to go out and talk. And I don't want to share things that are not relevant. And it's not about playing the algorithms because from a business point of view, I know how to use social media to do direct outreach and get my business moving. But I don't feel I want to play that publicity game at this stage. I might need to do it later, but at this stage, I've invested enough in my brand 
brand equity and everything. And I've got enough to keep me going, but I don't want to be caught up in the game of just getting more likes and more followers on social media. Yeah, I'm totally with you there because even for me, and I love that we are having this conversation. And I think that as you unpack this, my brain's going boom, like, wow, there's so many golden nuggets here. But for me and for anyone that's listening, if you are also sitting here going, wow, what am I in it for? And what is, what's the ultimate reason? Like, what was the one thing that got me here? And is this still feeling like it's the place where I wanted to go? And for me, I think that like when I first started this journey, I loved Instagram. I loved photography, sharing my message and like speaking to millennials. And when I shifted onto LinkedIn, where I really felt like I was connecting with my audience, I felt okay with my account not growing. And for me, I think it's really important that we find the platform where we really feel that we're authentic on and that we're authentic online. Because if we're not, people will see right through it and you'll start competing with the Joneses, looking at the metrics, but your message will start to water down. And I think it's so important that we align with our passion and our purpose and really do what makes us tick. And I I love that chapter of your book. I think that what you have in this book is not just a book, but it's actually a tool. It's a, you call it the blueprint to design a life worth truly living. But I think it's almost like this is a workbook that people can take with them. And at whatever stage of their life they're in, they can go through it and start to unpack and get honest and get very, very truthful with themselves. And I think that's great. Yes, I'm 100% with you. Yeah, I love everything that you said and 100% it is. It is. And there's, look, we could spend hours and hours and hours. This book alone is a workshop that could go on for two days. So I think from the angle of the passion and purpose and journey, the way I would, and I know there's another conversation you and me can have about, okay, how did I end up going from publishing my own book to being a publisher that works with other people, helping them write and publish their books. It was just people reaching out to me and saying, Mustafa, I need help with my book. And I started in 2018, helping other people publish their books. Today, we're celebrating 100 authors. So that's 100 other people that are going to say, somebody's going to tell them you changed my life. So think of it as the equivalent of a TEDx, but for books, which I feel is a bit more solid than just getting on stage and speaking because a book takes a little bit more time. And that was the thing that got me accelerating my career very fast against a lot of the competition. So I will leave you with and all the listeners with a golden nugget here or a question actually for them to answer. The first question is, I call it the billion dollar question. Okay. That's in my book actually. And that's a very simple thing. I want everybody to go grab a pen and paper. If you've got a checkbook, bring it out. And if not, if you have my book, it has a check in it. Okay. So this, there's a check for a billion dollars. Okay. So I want you to write a check in your name for $1 billion dated today. And now that you've got a billion dollars in your hands, no financial worries, no concerns, your loved ones are taken care of and all your wishes and needs and all experimentation you can do and you have enough money not to worry, what would you do with your life? Now, whatever that answer is, the second question is very simple. The second question is, can you guarantee living another year? 
My guess is no. How about another month? How about another week? How about another day? How about till tomorrow? Guess what? Nobody can guarantee that. None of us can guarantee living another day or another week. So if you can't guarantee that you're going to live long enough to make that passion happen, what are you actually waiting for? Whatever the answer for that billion dollar question is what you want to be doing now, now, now. Like start, start and start now. That's pretty much what I would love to leave everybody with is, is that billion dollar question and answering it and working with, okay, I want to do that billion dollar question and I want to be able to live that passionate life. This is when their true passion purpose journey will start. Wow. That is absolutely life-changing. And I think it reminds me so much of the conversation that I had with someone just this week. It is someone that I know that is very, very successful in my eyes, very, very wealthy in my eyes, who still till this day works so hard, so, so hard. And we had this conversation after the weekend because he said he went scuba diving and he was out there scuba diving with someone also very successful, but who left very similar to yourself, Mustafa, who left the multi-million dollar business to go and be with the ocean and to scuba dive and probably do free diving and all that sort of fun stuff and see the, the world from a different perspective under the sea. <laughs> and that song just came to my mind too. And the way I heard him speak was so different to the way I normally hear him speak because he's normally talking about how he's gone from this to that and, and sold this and made this and the projects and the deals and all the deals that he was talking about. But that day, there was something very different in his voice. He was sharing about how he realized in that moment that no matter how much money you are making, sometimes we're not actually living our lives and living our lives with passion. We might be passionate about what we do as a job or you know, in it for the game, so to speak. But some people have these aha moments. And I think what you just shared just really reminded me of that. Beautiful. Well, thank you very much for having me on the show and really excited to have shared the message with a lot of the people out there. The book is available on Amazon if they want to get a copy. If they go to my website, mustafa.com, they'll get two free chapters. Uh, so you can go to mustafa.com or you buy the uh, course on Udemy. You can buy the actual online course version of it, or there's a lot, and I mean a lot of free content that I put on the internet. So if you just type my name and then type Passion Sundays, there's, as I said, 160 plus interviews out there with every people from every walk of life. So there's a lot for everybody there to discover and pursue their passionate life. So thank you very much for having me on the show. Thank you so much, Mustafa. It has been so good. And I just want to wrap this up with rapid fire questions, if I may. Please. I would love to know if there was one thing that you cannot live a single day without, whether it's a physical thing or not, what would it be? Oh, good question. I probably default to saying passion. <laughs> the one thing that I find hard dealing with is things that are not being done with passion or dealing with people that are not passionate. Yeah. Absolutely. If there was one person that you could say has been the one that has inspired you to do what you do today, or I think, what would you account it to be? Probably Dr. Marshall Goldsmith. He had a huge impact on my life on a lot of the work that I do. He had his generosity 
in sharing knowledge and learnings and being genuinely there about purpose and impact. And his methodology of saying that the true leaders have three things in common, which is they have courage, humility, and discipline. The courage to face their fears and be brutally honest with themselves, the humility to ask for help when they need it, and the discipline to follow through on their commitments. That definitely changed my life. Mm, Amazing. And where do you see yourself in five years? Do you like to plan or do you like to leave things open for adventure? Like what do you think you would have also accomplished in that time? Beautiful question. So I do like to have broadline plans, but sometimes Robbie Williams has a funny song. He says uh, that the lyrics go like, I sit and talk to God and he laughs at my plans. So if you would have asked me 10 years back or 15 years back, Mustafa, Syrian guy, lived in Dubai, is going to buy a one-way ticket to him, walked in nightlife, worked in nightlife, going to buy a one-way ticket to India, meet a Swami, travel the world, move to Australia, become a speaker, coach, and author, I would have laughed you in the face. So really, I make plans, and these plans are generally big picture. They're not micro, they're macro, and I let the universe take care of making them happen. So the one thing is Passionpreneur, my publishing business, aside from my speaking, Passionpreneur Publishing is is a step towards having a passionpreneur organization where I'm attracting as many passionpreneurs. I don't want to be the only passionpreneur. I want to attract as many passionpreneurs that are helping the world become a more passionate place and helping them spread their message. And within that, my hope is, you know, if I'm able to reach financially all these goals, I would then want to also focus my work mainly on being a social enterprise particularly working with in, in the space of well-being, helping maybe running a resort, a meditation resort, and working with the elderly and the orphans. So really within the next five years, there's business-related goals. And that these goals are there to feed my aspirations of leaving more legacy and impact on the world. And that particularly would be around working with disadvantaged in any way I can. Mm. What has been one big takeaway that you've recently had that changed the way you do things or that you see the world? I know you've shared that today on the show and there's been many in your lives, but what was one that you recently, most recently had? My father passed away last April, which is almost a year now. It was Melbourne was in lockdown at that time. So even getting on a plane took a lot of time to get government approvals to be able to fly out. And I missed him. I didn't get to see him. And that was a reminder that we are all here on a short term and we don't know when our exit ticket is going to come. And that aligned me back with my passion and purpose because I was getting diverted from that. But then also it reminded me that the only thing, and I saw it, the only thing that was truly valuable after he passed away was not the money, was not the work, was not, it was the impact and legacy that he left behind and the change he made into people's lives. So that realigned me back and reminded me of everything that I'm talking about. Amazing. And finally, if there was one message, just one message, there's been so many, and I'm so grateful for your time. But if there is one message you could leave the world, what would it be? Live passionately. (laughs) That's the simplest way I can put it. Live passionately, live so passionately alive that when it's your time to kick the bucket, the story of your life will be told so much that it was a life worth dying for. When you find that, you really will know what you're here for. Thank you so much, Mustafa. I've learned so much in this last hour and 
just your presence brings passion to life thank Thank you you and appreciate it cannot wait to have you back on the show have a wonderful day thank you very much